And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, and today we are going to talk again with David Inglesias. Uh, David is the director of the Wheaton College Center for Faith, Politics, and Economics. He is also an associate professor of politics and law at Wheaton College. Previously, Mr. Inglesias has served as a state, federal, and military prosecutor with a focus on national security and terrorism cases. Uh, he was the United States Attorney for the District of New Mexico for six years. And while serving as U.S. Attorney, he chaired the Attorney General's Border and Immigration Subcommittee. Also, as a Navy officer, he served as a senior prosecutor with the U.S. Military Commission in Washington, D.C. and Guantanamo Bay, uh, handling war crimes and terrorism cases. One last thing. Born in Panama to missionary parents, um, David eventually grew up and uh, graduated from the Santa Fe, New Mexico High School. So my guest today... I think is eminently qualified to talk about immigration. Um, I'm Rich Baker, and I'm a partner with the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago, and we are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, not-for-profit administration to religious freedom. You can find out more about us by going to malkbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to keep up to date on developments about faith and law. David, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, this is the second segment on immigration. We've been looking uh, at immigration from a biblical perspective, but also from a government perspective, uh, in that you are both a Christian and you have served in many capacities uh, in law and in government with regard to immigration. I want to turn our attention back and, and think about some of these questions. In the last segment, we talked somewhat about the immigration orders, uh, about uh, refugees, and about who should and who should not be let into the country. Let's pick up with that, and then we'll move on and look specifically at the wall. Last segment, we talked a little bit about open borders and the issues that raised with regard to security. Uh, so my question to you is, who should we be letting in and... Uh, On what basis should we be uh, vetting those people coming into our country? Right. These are all good questions. And as I stated during the last segment, uh, the top government priority should be to keep its citizens safe, keep its people safe. Um, So I support any administration that, uh, that understands that and practices that. So the United States is is an immigrant country. We're we're not. We have admitted refugees. Uh, the difference is an immigrant comes um, not because they have to. Uh, a refugee comes because they have to because their their home country is in such turmoil that they can't live there. Um, so different motivations for uh, for coming. Uh, and the United States does have a long proud history of allowing immigrants and refugees here. But I would suggest to you that the United States has never just opened its doors and not conducted any any type of security check. Um, I think Jimmy Carter did something close to that 
around 1980-81, on uh, which the Mariel boat left people came in, and Castro uh, put a lot of uh, uh, prisoners and criminally insane people. Uh, and because the U.S. didn't have time to conduct a, a, uh, a screen, we inherited lots of problems. Um, I would submit to you that there that we need to be careful not to ever repeat what happened to President Carter. There there has to be a process, uh, and there has to be screening of people coming in. Otherwise, we're inheriting dangerous people, and we don't we don't need that in this country. Uh, this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker with the law firm of Malkin Baker. Today, we're speaking with David Iglesias, director of Wheaton College Center for Faith, Politics, and Economics. And we're looking right now specifically at President Trump's uh, immigration orders. Now, uh, David, there is a lot of controversy, and in fact there are two cases, one in the Ninth Circuit and one in the Fourth Circuit, right now which have challenged the revised orders that President Trump has given with regard to uh, vetting and refugees. There are some uh, issues to that. Uh, They're going to require additional financial information, then they get into something that many people are, are quite surprised on. They, they're asking for the uh, codes to be able to look through people's cell phones to find out their mm-hmm. contacts and the poor, uh, other who they've been communicating with and um, what websites they're going to. How do you feel about that and it, it, in light of our civil liberties? Right. Well, the thing to keep in mind is non-citizens who are not in the country don't have the same liberty protections that U.S. citizens and other legal residents have. So I'm not offended by that notion. Uh, I mean, we, we, we want that information to make sure that these people are not jihadists, that these people are not already radicalized or on the verge of becoming radicalized. Uh, so I don't have any problem with that. Because remember, non-citizens not in this country don't have the same protections we have. Uh, the uh, the purpose of this is not to discriminate. The purpose of this is to protect those people already in the U.S. So I don't, I don't have any, uh, any constitutional uh, uh, reservations about that type of plan. I, in what you say, I hear two things going on that are often blurred in the media. Number one, I'm hearing that there is a distinction between a citizen and a non-citizen in terms of constitutional rights. Correct. And the second thing I'm hearing is that you're really saying uh, to come into this country, either as an immigrant or a refugee, is a privilege, it's not a right. Well, that's absolutely right. Otherwise, we, we, we would have 5 billion people living in the United States. I mean, it, you, know, you don't have a right to come into this country any more than you have a right to visit Canada or Mexico. Um, you, you enter into those countries subject to, to their restrictions. Um, so... Uh, Right now, there's long-standing law that prohibits people who uh, belong to communist organizations or who have committed genocide or belong to terrorist organizations from legally entering this country. Now, what happens a lot of times is people lie about their past associations. So occasionally you'll see, even in this late date, you'll see uh, people getting prosecuted for being members of the Nazi party and you know, committing unspeakable war crimes. And these are old people. These are people in their 90s now. But occasionally you'll, you'll see that they lied about their association with the Nazis when they came into this country in the 1940s or 50s, who were eventually found out they were stripped of their citizenship and deported, sent back to Germany or wh- whatever their home country was. I mean, that just happened in the Ukraine just, just a few months ago. So 
Uh, I, I'm not offended by the notion that the United States is uh, doing everything it can to prevent dangerous people from coming into this country who are not U.S. citizens. And then actually prosecuting it, even if it's years later. So what you've raised here is is the issue also, the controversial issue of ideological tests for company, for people coming to the United States. And you've, you've pointed out that we've had those tests in the past. I understand that's for anarchists, for members of the Communist Party, the Nazi Party. Um, and they would ask questions like, have you ever been a communist? Or do you... Right. Um, but now we're having uh, more questions like... Uh, that would focus on religion and terrorism, I think, uh, in the initiatives by Trump. Uh, do you believe in our Constitution, or do you support bigotry and hatred? These are two of the uh, questions coming up. And your thoughts on, on that kind of questioning? Right. I mean, I think we, 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 we want to make sure that people who are coming into our country, either temporarily or permanently, support our way of life, that they support the rule of law. So I probably spoke at Ten different U.S. naturalization ceremonies, and it's a moving ceremony. It's called the only happy federal court proceeding, because people are becoming U.S. citizens, and I've seen them raise their right hand and take the oath. And one of the things they they do is they they swear to uh, reject all prior allegiance to powers, kings, queens, you know, what their whatever their prior leader was, and that they uh, uh, understand and agree to obeying the U.S. Constitution. Um, you know, I think that's a beautiful thing, that uh, we, we are requiring people to embrace our Constitution and reject their prior attachments uh, with, their, with their home country. There seems to be a logic in what you're saying. If that's what, to become a citizen, uh, you're going to be asked to do, then uh, asking a question when you're immigrating does not seem to be so unreasonable. That's what I'm hearing you saying there. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, you, you pointed out what I should have made crystal clear. You, you don't have a legal right to enter into the United States. It's subject to, to the U.S. government. Um, and, and the point that I made is, yes, and the government's main objective should be to keep people in the United States safe. So, yeah, I, I'm not offended. I think now it's a lot easier to, to see what, what type of associations people have because so many people are plugged into uh, social media. And frankly, in law enforcement, a tremendous amount of information is worked because of what people post on their Facebook uh, walls and whatnot. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not offended. Uh, you know, virtually all of this is public information that's available publicly. So I'm, I'm not offended by this, you know, proposed order. What a lot of people will do is is just assume that incoming foreign nationals have the same protections we do, and that's simply not the case. Uh, nor should it be, as as I'm hearing you say. Uh, I, I'm just about to come up to a break, but beforehand, uh, your view then on uh, particularly the refugees coming from Syria. You have about 40 seconds to tell me that, and then we'll come back to it. But uh, uh, Yes. Should... Ex- extra scrutiny, I think, is, is advisable, and we need to be very careful that there are not ISIS plants within the people coming in. So that would require extra vetting in your mind. Absolutely. All right. Coming up, we'll be talking more about Trump's immigration orders, uh, what's going on with the courts, and uh, we're talking with David Iglesias with regard to these things. We'll see you on the other side of the break. This is Rich Baker from Malkin Baker, and you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, partner with the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with David Iglesias, a former state, federal, and military prosecutor with regard to President Trump's immigration orders, and we're talking about the border wall. David, uh, to make sure that we get this information in, tell us a little bit about where you are and how you can be uh, contacted. You bet. I would encourage listeners to go to wheaton.edu forward slash FPE. That stands for Faith, Politics, and Economics. And I am in Wheaton College, Wheaton, Illinois. And uh, I understand that your program runs a lot of debates and uh, lectures and things like that uh, with regard to specifically faith, uh, politics, and economics. Tell us just a little bit more about that. You bet. So I've hosted uh, events, large events on immigration, on income inequality, on national security, uh, things of that nature. Religious freedom, religious, by the way. <laughs> of which you were one of the panel members. That's religious exactly right. And religious freedoms, yes. Um, so, yeah, so we, we do that, and we also pay for internships for bright young students to uh, go out and learn the ropes politically and economically throughout the world. Yes, I'm aware of that, because you've also asked our firm to be involved in that, and I've been recalcitrant and not getting back to you, so I'm, I'm duly chastised on the radio. Um, <laughs> with re- and <laughs> we'll talk later about that. Turning back to our topic with regard to President Trump's immigration order, uh, currently pending and to be heard in May are... Uh, is the case in the Fourth Circuit. I understand it's en banc, meaning all the mm-hmm. appellate uh, justices will be hearing it because of its importance. I believe it's on a uh, 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 preliminary injunction rather than a final injunction. Give us a little insight into what's going on in that case. Now, you'll have to refresh. I, I'm embarrassed to admit, I'm not, I'm not sure which case you're referring to. Okay, well, this, this is the case coming out of uh, Virginia, and once again, on the basis of religious freedom, uh, the judges found that there's a likelihood that the government's orders uh, with regard to vetting cannot be sustained, particularly with the issue, I believe, of the six countries that are uh, targeted for uh, extreme vetting. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. So this is back to the to, to the Trump order, and this yeah, is, and you know, and that, this is the revised Trump order, by the way. It, it, right. So. This is this is uh, Trump order two zero. Yes. Um, well, it, the fact that it, it, uh, it that it's in the Fourth Circuit, which is a conservative, typically pro government leaning circuit, that uh, that the readers of the tea leaves are saying that does not bode well for the government. However, comma. Now that we have nine Supreme Court justices, uh, this, you know, whatever a circuit comes up with is not going to be dispositive to the issue. This will go to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, and now we have a configuration that was very similar to what, uh, what there was present with Scalia on board. So if I may be so bold to predict, uh, this will go to the Supreme Court, and the government should prevail by a 5-4 margin. Anytime you have a very close call, you know, five four. Although Justice Kennedy could could go rogue and could, you know, uh, invalidate it. So we'll just have to see. I, I'm, chuck- uh, I'm chuckling I, as you say that because you say go rogue. There are many who would think just the opposite that he, he was actually standing uh, firm. Uh, it, you know what? And we have an issue. It's really a clash in my mind between the president and the executive and the judiciary. And it, and at least I'm alarmed at the fact that a non-elected judge, either in Hawaii or Virginia, can undo all of uh, federal policy 
right. in, in this regard. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, the thing to keep in mind, it's, it's temporary, it's preliminary. Uh, what, what offends me more is there are 93 districts. Every one of those federal districts uh, have multiple judges. So you have one judge that's binding the entire you know, judicial system. Uh, I, 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 I do take exception at that. Uh, circuit, of course, you know, once you get up to the circuit, that affects many more states. Right. Uh, you know, so uh, it is unusual for a district judge to take the actions that you've seen in, in Hawaii, which is in the Ninth Circuit and in, um, in uh, Virginia. But th- th- this, is, this is an issue that will go to the highest levels of the judiciary. And, you know, the uh, framers of our Constitution wanted to keep presidential power in check. That, that's why they created the, the, the Supreme Court uh, and lifetime appointment to try to screen out politics as much as possible. Well, all right, you raised that, and, and we're a little bit off topic, but something near and dear to my heart when we talk about that. I saw, obviously, the Supreme Court is a check uh, to the executive but I saw in this case more the legislature being the desired check and the Supreme Court really to be following the law rather than making new policy. So I'm, I'm a little concerned with regard to the Supreme Court standing out and becoming a policymaker, uh, which is a role I don't think it was originally given under the Constitution. Yeah, I mean, I, I will concede that point. I mean, the, I think the framers intended Congress. I mean, the, the first article... Uh, is Congress. It's, it's the legislature. The second article to our Constitution is the president. And then the third, and I would argue that so that kind of tells you where uh, the framers of the Constitution wanted the, the power to rest, first in the people through Congress, and then secondly in the executive, the president, and then thirdly in the courts. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not advocating um, uh, judges to create policy. Their, their job is to interpret what the law is. Uh, but one of their jo- jobs is also to mediate disputes between branches of government, between co-equal branches of government. Well, you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker of Malkin Baker. If you were just tuning in, we are talking with David Iglesias, and we're discussing President Trump's recent immigration orders in the wall. Uh, David, in our previous segment, you had mentioned that uh, perhaps the idea of building the wall could, would have been a good idea in the past, but it's no longer as relevant. Give us more of your thoughts on that. You bet. So, so we have right now about 650 miles right now of wall and border, and I've flown over about 140 miles of it and walked maybe a mile of it. Uh, the number of illegal immigration or immigrants peaked around the year 2000. The numbers we're seeing now are significantly lower. We're back to the 1970s era. I would submit to you that spending $15 billion, which is a conservative estimate uh, as to finishing up the uh, barriers and walls that are on the border, is, is really going to be a waste of money. Uh, when I was U.S. Attorney, we had 12,000 Border Patrol, mainly on the southwest border. Now we're over 20,000 Border Patrol members, uh, typically on the southwest border. Uh, just to we interrupt of- that, um, when you say you were U.S. Attorney, that was U.S. Attorney of New Mexico. So you are... For the District of New Mexico. Which right. would be directly involved in the border. Right. There are five southwest border districts, two in Texas, one in Arizona, one in California, and one in New Mexico. That covers all 2,000 miles of the southwest border. And so what would you recommend now? Uh, certainly the news has, has left us with the impression that there is a significant immigration problem and that there also is the, the potential for terrorist 
intervention coming through the Mexican border. So what is your thought with regard to what should be done with policy? So, so again, looking at the data, because, you know, you, you, you have to focus on the facts, focus on the evidence. There hasn't been one federal prosecution uh, arising from the southwest border involving terrorism. The one case that I'm aware of comes from Canada. Uh, that was uh, a guy who took a ferry from uh, Canada down to Washington State and was caught back in the year 2000. Um, that, that's the only... Uh, case I'm aware of. So to say that there's a significant uh, illegal immigration problem, uh, that was true 17 years ago. That is not nearly as true today. The, the numbers are dropping significantly. Let me switch the, the conversation then. If, if the wall is not the significant problem, what do we do with the 13 million or more uh, illegal immigrants that are, or uh, aliens that are here in the United States now? What is your view on how to solve that issue? So about seven or eight years ago, Senator John McCain and other senators came up with what I thought was a real common-sense approach. And it's got to be bipartisan, like this group of senators was. And that is to create uh, a a pathway to legal status, not a pathway to citizenship, but a a pathway to to not be deported, basically. And and it requires the illegal immigrant to self-report. It requires them to not have a criminal record. It requires them to, uh, to pay a fine and to make sure that any back taxes uh, owed are, in fact, paid. Uh, something like that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm not in favor of uh, rewarding people who have been here illegally with citizenship. Um, I used to speak to naturalized citizens, and I would thank them for coming to our country and doing it correctly, doing it legally. Uh, what's the difference between... Uh Legal or uh, being a legal citizen and having the, that status um, to being remain. a legal resident. Yeah. <clears throat> well, if you're a legal resident, uh, you you cannot vote. For okay. example, you okay. can't be in a jury. Uh, you can't own a firearm legally. Um, okay. So, yeah. So so you don't have the full rights and privileges of a U.S. citizen. Where a naturalized citizen has all the rights as a native-born citizen does. David, I wanted to, uh, our time is coming to an end. Uh, we appreciate you for calling in today. Uh, listeners, tune in next week, and uh, you'll continue to hear more from uh, the firm with regard to religious freedom and other issues facing the Christians. Um, if you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243. Again, that's 312-726-1243, or at malkinbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Malkin Baker is a Christian law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. Call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Again, our number is 312-726-1243, and the website is malkinbaker.com. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve some